the Father speaks to his children. A message dictated by God the Father to Mother Eugenia Elisabetta Ravasio. Here finally is the day, blessed forever, the day the Celestial Father promised. Today the long days of preparation are over and I feel close, so close to the coming of my Father and the Father of all men. A few minutes of prayer and then what spiritual joys. I was overwhelmed by the desire to see him and hear him. My heart, burning with love, opened up with such great confidence that I realized that until then I had never been so trusting with anyone. The thought of my father made me, as it were, madly happy. Finally I began to hear singing. Angels came to announce this glad arrival. Their songs were so beautiful that I decided to knock them down as soon as possible. This harmony ceased, and then came a procession of the elect, the cherubim and seraphim, with God, our Creator, and our Father. Prostrate, with my face to the ground, sunk in my own nothingness, I said, the Magnificat. Immediately afterwards, the Father told me to sit close to him and write what he had decided to say to men. The entire heavenly court who had accompanied him vanished. Only the Father remained with me, and before sitting, he said, I have already told you, and now I say it again. I cannot give my beloved son another time to prove my love for men. I am now coming among them in order to love them and to make them know this love, assuming their image, their poverty. Look, now I am putting aside my crown and all my glory to take on the appearance of an ordinary man. Having assumed the appearance of an ordinary man by placing his crown and his glory at his feet, he took the globe of the world and held it to his heart, supporting it with his left hand. He then sat next to me. I can say but a few words about his arrival and about the appearance he deigned to assume and about his love. In my ignorance, I do not have words to express what he revealed to me. Peace and salvation, he said, to this house and to the whole world. May my power, my love and my Holy Spirit touch men's hearts so that all mankind may turn to salvation and come to its Father who seeks it to love and to save it. Let my vicar, Pius XI, understand that these are days of salvation and blessing. Let him not fail to take this opportunity to call the attention of the children to their father, who is coming to help them in this life and to prepare their everlasting happiness. I have chosen this day to begin my work among men because today is the feast of the precious blood of my son Jesus. I intend to bathe in this blood the work I am beginning so that it may bear great fruit among all mankind. This is the real purpose of my coming. I am coming to banish 
the excessive fear that my creatures have of me and to show them that my joy lies in being known and loved by my children, that is, by all mankind, present and future. I am coming to bring hope to men and nations. How many have long since lost it. This hope will make them live in peace and security, working for their salvation. I am coming to make myself known just as I am, so that men's trust may increase together with their love for me, their father. I have but one concern, to watch over all men and love them as my children. The painter delights in contemplating the picture he has painted. In the same way, it is my pleasure and delight to come among men the masterpiece of my creation. Time presses. I wish men to know as soon as possible that I love them and that I feel the greatest happiness in being with them and talking with them like a father with his children. I am the Eternal One, and when I was alone, I had already thought of using all my power to create beings in my image. But material creation had to come first, so that these beings could find their means of sustenance. It was then that I created the world. I filled it with all the things I knew would be necessary to men, air, sun, and rain, and many other things that I knew to be necessary for their life. And in the end, man was created. I was pleased with my handiwork. Man sins, but it is precisely then that my infinite generosity shows itself. In the Old Testament, I created and chose prophets to live among men. To them, I told my desires, my sorrows, and my joys, so that they could communicate them to everyone. The more evil grew, the more my goodness urged me to communicate with just souls, so that they could transmit my commands to those who were creating disorder. Thus, I was sometimes obliged to be strict in order to reprove them, not to punish them. That would only have done harm, but to take them away from vice and lead them to their father and their creator, whom they had forgotten and ignored in their ingratitude. Later, evil overwhelmed men's hearts to such an extent that I was compelled to send calamities upon the world, to purify men through suffering, the destruction of their possessions, or even their death. Hence, the flood, the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, man's wars against man. I have always wished to remain in this world among men. So, during the flood, I was close to Noah, the only just man then. In the other calamities, also, I always found a just man with whom I could stay, and through him I lived among the men of that time, and it has always been thus. The world has often been purified of its corruption because of my 
infinite goodness towards humanity. I continued to choose certain souls in whom I was pleased, because through them I could be happy with my creatures, men. I promised the world a messiah. I did all I could to prepare his coming, showing myself in the figures that represented him, even thousands of years before his coming. For who is this messiah? Whence does he come? What will he do on earth? Whom does he represent? The Messiah is God. Who is God? God is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Whence does he come? Or rather, who ordered him to come among men? It was I, his Father, God. Whom is he to represent on earth? His Father. God. What is he to do on earth? He will make the Father God known and loved. Did he not say, Do you not know that I must be about my Father's business? I have come only to do the will of my Father. Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. You will pray to him like this, Our Father, who art in heaven. And elsewhere, since he came to glorify the Father and to make him known to men, he says, Whoever sees me, sees the Father. I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. No one comes to the Father except through me. Whoever is with me is also with my Father. Realize then, O men, that for all eternity I have had but one desire, to make myself known to men and be loved by them. I wish to stay forever with them. Do you want an authentic proof of this desire that I have just expressed? Why did I command Moses to build a tabernacle and the Ark of the Covenant, if not to come and dwell as a father, a brother, a close friend with my creatures, men? This was my ardent desire. In spite of this, they have forgotten me and offended me with countless sins. I gave Moses my commandments to remind them, in spite of everything, of God their Father, and of his sole wish to save them. They were supposed to observe the commandments and thereby remember their infinitely good Father, always intent upon their present and eternal salvation. All this was forgotten, and men sank into error and fear, considering that the observance of the commandments as I had transmitted them to Moses was too taxing. They made up other laws in accordance with their whims in order to observe them more easily. Little by little, in the exaggerated fear they had of me, they forgot me more and more and heaped outrages 
upon me. Yet my love for these men, my children, never quite ceased. When I realized that neither the patriarchs nor the prophets had been able to make me known and loved by men, I decided to come myself. But how could I come among them? There was no other way than to come myself in the second person of my divinity. Would men know me? Would they listen to me? I myself answered these two questions. Nothing in the future was hidden from me. They will ignore my presence even though they will be near me. In my son, they will treat me cruelly, notwithstanding all the good he will do for them. In my son, they will speak ill of me, they will crucify me to bring about my death. Shall I stop because of this? No. My love for my children, men, is too great. I did not stop there. Understand well that I loved you, as it were, more than my beloved son, or rather, more than myself. What I am telling you is so true that if one of my creatures had been enough to atone for the sins of other men through a life and death similar to those of my son, I would have hesitated. Why? Because I would have betrayed my love by making a beloved creature suffer rather than suffering myself in my son. I would never have wished my children to suffer. This, then, in brief, is the story of my love until my coming among men through my son. Most men know of all these events, but they fail to grasp the essential thing, that love was the guiding principle of it all. Yes, it is love. This is what I want to impress upon you. Now, this love has been forgotten. I want to remind you of it, so that you can learn to know me as I am, so that you will not be like slaves, afraid of a father who loves you so much. You see, in this story, we are only at the first day of the first century, and I would like to bring it up to the present time, the 20th century. <sighs> How my paternal love has been forgotten by men. Yet I love you so tenderly. In my son, that is to say, in the person of my son made man, what have I not done? Divinity is veiled in this humanity. It is shrunk, impoverished, humiliated. With my son, Jesus, I led a life of sacrifice and work. I received his prayers that man might have a clearly indicated path along which to walk always in justice so as to reach me safely. Of course, I can understand my children's weaknesses. Because of this, I asked my son to give them the means to get up again after they have fallen. These means will help them to purify themselves from their sins so that they may still be the children of my love. They are, chiefly, the seven sacraments. 
and the greatest means of securing your salvation despite your falls is the cross. My son's blood poured out upon you every moment, if you so wish, both in the sacrament of penance and in the holy sacrifice of the Mass. My dear children, I have lavished these gifts upon you with special graces for twenty centuries. But with what miserable results! How many of my creatures who become children of my love through my Son have quickly thrown themselves into the eternal abyss. Truly, they have not known my infinite goodness. I love you so very much. You, at least, who know that I myself am coming to talk to you, to make you aware of my love, for your own sake, do not throw yourselves over the precipice. I am your father. Is it possible that having called me your father and having shown your love for me, you could find in me such a hard and insensitive heart as to let you perish? No, no, do not believe it. I am the best of fathers. I know my creature's weaknesses. Come to me. Come to me with confidence and love. I will forgive you after you have repented. Even if your sins were as repulsive as mud, your confidence and your love will make me forget them. So you will not be judged. I am just, it is true, but love pays for everything. Listen, my children, let us make a comparison and you will be assured of my love. For me, your sins are like iron and your acts of love like gold. If you gave me a thousand pounds of iron, it would not be like giving me just 10 pounds of gold. In other words, with just a little love, great iniquities can be expiated. This then is one very light-hearted way of looking at my judgment of my children, men, all of them, without exception. You must come to me. I am so close to you. You must love me and honor me so that you will not be judged, or rather that you will be judged infinitely merciful love. Have no doubt, if my heart were not like this, I would have already destroyed the world every time it committed sin. But as you have seen, at every moment my protection manifests itself through graces and benefits. You can conclude from this that there is a Father who is above all fathers, who loves you and will never cease to love you, if you so desire. I come among you in two ways, the cross and the Eucharist. The cross is my way of coming down among my children, since it is through it that I caused my son to redeem you. And for you, the cross is the way to ascend to my son and from my son to me. Without it, you could never come to me because man 
by sinning, brought on himself the punishment of separation from God. In the Eucharist, I live among you as a father with his family. I wished my son to institute the Eucharist so as to make every tabernacle the vessel of my favors, my riches, and my love, to give them to men, my children. It is always by these two means that I cause both my power and my infinite mercy to come down ceaselessly. Now that I have shown you that my son Jesus represents me among men and that through him I live constantly among them, I also want to show you that I come among you through my Holy Spirit. The work of this third person of my divinity is carried out silently and often man is not aware of it. But for me, it is a very fitting way of living, not just in the tabernacle, but also in the souls of all those in a state of grace, to establish my throne in them, and to live there always, like the true father who loves, protects, and helps his children. No one has yet understood the infinite desire of my divine paternal heart to be known, loved, and honored by all men, the just and the sinful. These are the three gifts that I wish to receive in homage from man, so that I may always be merciful and good, even towards the most hardened sinners. What have I not done for my people, from Adam to Joseph, the adoptive father of Jesus, and from the time of Joseph up to the present day, so that man should give me the special honor due to me as his father, creator, and savior. However, I have not yet received this special veneration which I have so much hoped for and which I desire so much. In the book of Exodus, you read that God must be held in special veneration. The Psalms of David especially contain this teaching. In the commandments which I myself gave to Moses, I emphasized, you will worship and love perfectly only one God. Well then, loving and honoring are two things that go together. As I have lavished so many benefits on you, I must be honored by you in a very special way. 
giving you life, I wished to create you in my image. Your heart is therefore as sensitive as mine, and mine as yours. What would you not do if one of your neighbors did such a small favor to please you? The most insensitive man would be grateful to such a person forever. Anyone would try to find something that would give the greatest pleasure in recompense for the service performed. Well, I will be much more grateful to you, assuring you of eternal life, if you will do me the small favor of honoring me as I request. I recognize that you honor me in my son and that there are those who are able to offer everything to me through my son, but they are few indeed. Do not believe, though, that in honoring my son you are not honoring me. You do certainly honor me as I live in my son. Thus, everything that is to his glory is also to my glory. But I would like to see man honoring his father and creator with a special devotion. The more you honor me, the more you will honor my son, since, according to my will, he became the Word incarnate and came among you to make known to you the one who sent him. If you come to know me, you will love me and my beloved son more than you do now. See how many of my creatures who became my children through the mystery of the redemption are not in the pastures which I have prepared for all men through my son. And how many others, and you know it, are still unaware of the existence of these pastures. And how many creatures of my hands, whose existence I know of, but of which you are ignorant, do not even know the hand which shaped them. Oh, how I would like to let you know what an almighty father I am for you and would also be for those creatures through my benefits. I would like their lives to be made sweeter through my law. I would like you to go to them in my name and speak to them of me. Yes, tell them that they have a father who, having created them, wants to give them the treasures he possesses. Above all, tell them that I think of them, I love them, and want to give them eternal happiness. Oh, I promise you, men's conversion will come sooner. Believe me, if you had begun to honor me with a special devotion from the times of the early church, after 20 centuries, few men would remain living in idolatry, in paganism, and in so many false and evil sects in which man is running blindly towards the abyss of eternal fire. See how much work remains to be done. My hour has come. I must be known, loved, and honored by men so that having created them, I can be their father, then their savior, and finally, the object of their eternal delight. Until now, I have talked about things that you already knew. I wished to remind you of them 
so that you would be more and more convinced that I am a very good father and not a fearsome one, as you believe, and also that I am the father of all those living now and of all those whom I shall create until the end of the world. Know also that I wish to be known, loved, and above all, honored. May everyone recognize my infinite goodness towards all men, and especially towards sinners, the sick, the dying, and all those who suffer. Let them know that I want only one thing, to love them all, to give them my grace, to forgive them when they repent, and most of all, to judge them not with my justice, but with my mercy, so that all may be saved and numbered among my elect. To conclude this brief account, I make you a promise which will have an eternal effect. It is this. Call me by the name of Father, with confidence and love, and you will receive everything from this Father, with love and mercy. I wish my son, your spiritual father, to be able to work for my glory and to set down sentence by sentence what I have dictated to you, so that men may find it pleasing and easy to read an account of what I wish them to know without any additions. Day by day I will talk to you about my wishes for men, about my joys, my sorrows, and most of all, I will show men my infinite goodness and my tender and compassionate love. I would also like your superiors to allow you to spend your free time with me so that you can console me and love me for half an hour each day. You will thereby ensure that men's hearts, my children's hearts, are well disposed to work for the spread of this devotion which I have just revealed to you, so that you may achieve great confidence in this father who wants to be loved by his children. So as to permit this work to be extended among all nations as quickly as possible, without allowing those entrusted with its propagation to commit the slightest imprudent act, I ask you to spend your days in a spirit of recollection. You will be happy not to talk much to others. In your heart, even when you are among them, you will talk to me and listen to me. This is what I want you to do also. When sometimes I talk to you, you will write my confidences in a special little diary. But through it I intend to talk to everyone. I live with them more intimately than a mother with her children. Since man's creation, I have never for one moment stopped living beside him. As his creator and father, I feel the need to love him. It's not that I need him, but my love as father and creator makes me feel this need to love man. Thus, I live close to man, I follow him everywhere, I help him in all things, I supply everything. I can see his needs, his toils, all his desires, and my greatest happiness lies in helping him and saving him. Men, believe me to be a terrifying God who is going to cast all mankind into hell, 
what a great surprise it will be when, at the end of time, they see so many souls they believed lost, enjoying eternal bliss among the elect. I wish all my creatures to be convinced that there is a Father who watches over them and who would like them to enjoy on earth a foretaste of eternal happiness. A mother never forgets the little creature she has brought into the world. Is it not even more wonderful that I remember all my creatures? So, if a mother loves the little being I gave her, I love him more than she does because I created him. Even if it happens that a mother loves her child less because of some defect, I, on the contrary, will love him still more. She may later on forget him or think of him rarely, especially when, because of his age, he is no longer in her care. But I will never forget him. I will always love him, even if he no longer remembers me, his father and creator. I will still remember him and love him. I have already told you that I want you to enjoy eternal happiness even here on earth. But you still have not understood the real meaning of what I said. It is this. If you love me and call me by the sweet name of Father, you will begin to live here and now in the love and the trust which will make you happy in eternity and which you will sing in heaven in the company of the elect. Is this not a foretaste of the happiness of heaven, which will last forever? I therefore desire man to remember often that I am right there where he is, that he could not live if I were not with him, living just as he is. In spite of his unbelief, I always remain close to him. Oh, how I wish to see this plan of mine realized. Until now, man has never thought of giving God, his Father, the pleasure I am about to speak of. I would like to see great trust established between man and his heavenly Father, a true spirit of familiarity and delicacy at the same time, so as not to take advantage of my great goodness. I know your needs, your desires, and everything in your hearts. But how happy and grateful I would be if I saw you coming to me and confiding in me your needs, like a son who has total trust in his father. How could I refuse you the smallest or the biggest thing if you asked me? Even if you do not see me, do you not feel me very close to you in the things that happen to you and around you? how you will be rewarded one day for having believed in me even without having seen me. Even now that I am here in person among you all, talking to you, repeating ceaselessly in every way that I love you and want to be known, loved and honoured with a special devotion, you cannot see me apart from a single person, the one to whom I am dictating this message only one among all of humanity. Yet, I am talking to you, and in her whom I see and to whom I am talking, I see you all, and am speaking to each and every one of you. 
and I love you as if you could see me. I want men to be able to know me and to feel that I am close to each one of them. Remember, O oh men, that I wish to be the hope of humanity. Am I not already? Man would be lost if I were not his hope. But it is necessary for me to be recognized as such, so that peace, confidence and love may enter men's hearts and put them in contact with their Father in heaven and on earth. Do not think of me as that frightening old man whom men depict in their pictures and books. No, no, I'm neither younger nor older than my Son and my Holy Spirit. Because of this, I would like everybody, from the youngest to the oldest, to call me by the familiar name of Father and Friend. For I am always with you. I am making myself similar to you, so as to make you similar to me. How great would be my joy to see parents teaching their children to address me often by the name of Father, as indeed I am. How I would like to see infused into these young souls a trust and a filial love for me. I have done everything for you. Will you not do this for me? I would like to make my home in every family, as in my domain, so that all can say with absolute assurance, we have a father who is infinitely good, infinitely rich and greatly merciful. He thinks about us and is close to us. He looks after us, supports us. He will give us everything we need if we ask him. All his riches are ours. We will have everything we need. I am there precisely in order that you should ask me for what you need. Ask and you will receive. In my fatherly goodness, I will give you everything providing that all regard me as a true father living among his family, as indeed I do. I also desire that every family prominently display the picture I will later show to my little daughter. I wish every family to be able to place itself under my special protection in this way, so that they can honor me more easily. There. Every day the family will share with me its needs, its work, its sorrows, its sufferings, its desires, and also its joys. Because a father must know everything that concerns his children. I do know it, of course, because I'm there. But I love simplicity. I know how to adapt myself to your condition. I make myself little with the little ones. I make myself an adult with adults, and the same with the elderly, so that all may comprehend what I wish to tell them for their sanctification and my glory. So that all may comprehend what I wish to tell them for their sanctification and my glory. Do you not have proof of what I am saying in my son, who made himself small and weak like you? Do you still not have it now, seeing me talking to you here? And have I not chosen a poor creature like you yourselves, so that I can talk to you and make you understand what I wish to tell you? 
And now, am I not making myself like you? See, I have laid my crown at my feet and held the world to my heart. I have left my glory in heaven and come here, becoming all things to all men, becoming poor with the poor and rich with the rich. I want to protect the young people as a tender father. There's so much evil in the world. These poor, inexperienced souls are letting themselves be seduced by the attraction of vice, which little by little leads to total ruin. You, who especially need someone to take care of you in life so that you can avoid evil, come to me. I am the father who loves you more than any other creature will ever be able to do. Take refuge close, very close to me. Confide in me your thoughts and your desires. I will love you tenderly. I will give you graces for the present and bless your future. You can be sure I will not forget you after 15 or 25 or 30 years having created you. Come. I see that you greatly need a sweet and infinitely good father like me. Without going into many other relevant matters which I can speak about later on, I wish now to talk particularly to those souls whom I have chosen, priests and religious, to you, dear children of my love. I have great plans for you. To the Pope, Pius XI. I turn to you, my beloved son, my vicar, before all others, to place this work in your hands. It should rank first among all your tasks, and because of the fear inspired in men by the devil, it will be accomplished only at this time. How I would like you to know the range of this enterprise, its greatness, its breadth, its depth, its height. I would like you to understand the immense wishes that I have for mankind now and in the future. If only you knew how much I desire to be known, loved and honored by men with a special devotion. I have had this desire for all eternity. And since the creation of the first man, I have expressed this desire to men at various times, especially in the Old Testament, but man has never understood it. Now, this desire makes me forget all the past, if only it can become a reality now, in my creatures all over the world. I am stooping down 
to the poorest of my creatures to talk to her and through her to all men, even though she cannot realize the grandeur of the work I wish to accomplish among them. I cannot talk of theology with her. I would be sure to fail, for she would not understand me. I am doing this in order to realize my plan through simplicity and innocence. But now it is your turn to examine this work and bring it to a speedy fulfillment. To be known, loved, and honored with a special devotion. I do not ask for anything extraordinary. I desire only this. I desire that one day, or at least a Sunday, be dedicated to honoring me in a special way under the title of Father of All Mankind. For this feast, I would like a special mass and office. It is not difficult to find the texts in the Holy Scriptures. If you prefer to offer me this special devotion on a Sunday, I choose the first Sunday of August. If you prefer a weekday, I would like it to be always the seventh day of that same month. I desire that all the clergy should undertake to promote this devotion, and most of all, to make me known to men as I am and as I will always be for them, that is to say, the most tender and the most lovable of all fathers. I desire them to bring me into all families, hospitals, laboratories, workshops, barracks, conference halls of the ministers of nations, in short, wherever my creatures are, even if there were only one of them. I desire that the tangible sign of my invisible presence be a picture to show that I am really present. Thus, all men will carry out all their actions under their father's gaze, and I myself will have before me the creature that I have not only created but adopted. In this way, my children will be, as it were, under their tender father's gaze. Even now, I am everywhere, certainly, but I would like to be represented in a tangible way. I desire that during the year, the clergy and the faithful should perform some acts of piety in my honor, without detriment to their usual occupations. Let my priests go fearlessly everywhere, among all nations, to bring the flame of my fatherly love to men. Then souls will be enlightened and conquered, not only among unbelievers, but in all those sects which are not of the true church. Yes, I want these men also, who are my children, to see this flame shining before them, to know the truth, to embrace it, and to put all the Christian virtues into practice. I would like to be honored in a very special way in seminaries, in novitiates, in schools, and homes for the elderly. May everyone, from the youngest to the oldest, be able to know and love me as their Father, Creator, and Savior. 
Let priests set about seeking in the Holy Scriptures what I said in former times, and what has remained unknown up to now concerning the worship I wish to receive from men. May they work to make my desires and my will known to all men, specifying what I wish to say to people in general and to priests, monks and nuns in particular. Those souls are the ones I choose more than others in the world to pay me great homage. Of course, it will take time to realize completely these desires that I have for mankind and which I have revealed to you. But one day, through the prayers and sacrifices of generous souls who will give themselves for this work of my love, yes, one day I will be satisfied. I will bless you, my beloved son, and I will reward you a hundredfold for all that you will do for my glory. To the Bishop of Grenoble, the Right Reverend Alexandre Caillot. I also want to say a word to you, my son Alexander, so that my desires may be realized in the world. You must join with the Father Confessor of this little plant of my son Jesus in promoting this work, that is, the special devotion I expect from men. To you, my sons, I entrust this work and its future, which is so important. Talk, persist, make my words known, so that I may be known, loved and honoured by all my creatures. If you do this, you will have done what I expect of you, that is, my will. And you will have fulfilled the wishes that I have so long cherished in silence. For everything that you do for my glory, I will do twice as much for your salvation and sanctification. In the end, in heaven and only in heaven, you will see the great reward that I will give you in a very special way, together with all those who've worked to this end. I created man for myself, and it is right that I should be all for him. Man will not enjoy true happiness except with his father and creator, because his heart is made for me alone. For my part, my love for my creatures is so great that I have no greater joy than that of being among them. My glory in heaven is infinitely great, but my glory is still greater when I am among my children, men, all over the world. Your heaven, my creatures, is in paradise, together with my chosen ones, because it is there that you will contemplate me in an everlasting vision and will enjoy eternal glory. My heaven is on earth with you all, O men. Yes, it is on earth and in your souls that I look for my happiness 
and my joy. You can provide me with this joy, and it is also your duty towards your Creator and Father who desires and expects this of you. The joy I feel in being with you is no less great than that which I felt when I was with my son Jesus during his mortal life. My son, it was I who sent him. He was conceived by my Holy Spirit, who I myself am. In a word, I was always I. Loving you as I loved my son, who am I myself, I say to you, my creatures, as I said to him, you are my beloved children, and in you I am well pleased. Because of this, I rejoice in your company, and I desire to stay with you. My presence among you is like the sun on the earth. If you are well disposed to receive me, I will come very close to you, enter into you, light you up, and warm you with my infinite love. As for you, souls in a state of sin, or who are ignorant of religious truth, I will not be able to enter you. However, I will be close to you, because I never stop calling you, inviting you to desire to receive the benefits I bring you, so that you may see the light and be healed of sin. Sometimes I look at you and feel compassion for your unhappy state. Sometimes I look at you with love to dispose you to yield to the charms of grace. I spend days, sometimes years, close to some souls to be able to ensure their eternal happiness. They do not know that I am there waiting for them, calling them every moment of the day. However, I never become weary, and I still feel joy in remaining close to you, always hoping that you will return to your father someday, and that you will at least offer me some act of love before you die. I will give you an example of a soul who is facing sudden death. This soul has always been for me like the prodigal son. I saw this example as fact, exactly as our father dictates it, and I write it. I lavished benefits on this soul, but he wasted all these benefits, all these gifts that his most loving father provided for him. More than this, he offended me gravely. I waited for him. I followed him everywhere. I gave him more favors, health and wealth that I caused to result from his work, far beyond his needs. At times, my providence granted him further gifts. He therefore had plenty of everything. But he saw it all in the sad light of his vices, and his whole life was a fabric of errors because of habitual mortal sin. But my love never tired. I followed him all the same. I loved him, and most of all, in spite of his rebuffs, I was happy to live patiently close to him in the hope that maybe one day he would respond to my love and return to me, his father and savior. At last, his final day is approaching, 
I have sent him in illness in order to make him come to his senses and return to me his father. Time passes, and my poor son, he is 74, is at his last hour. I am still there, as always. I talk to him with even more kindness than usual. I persevere. I call my chosen ones and ask them to pray for him so that he may ask for the forgiveness I am offering him. And now, before breathing his last, he opens his eyes, admits his errors, and understands how far he has strayed from the true path that leads to me. He recovers his senses, and in a weak voice which none of those around him can hear, he says, My God, I can now see how great your love for me has been, and I have offended you continually with such a bad life. I never thought about you, my father and savior. Now you see everything, and I beg forgiveness for all this evil which you see in me, and which I now discern in my confusion. I love you, my father, my savior. He died at that very moment, and now here he is before me. I judge him with a paternal love. He called me father, and he's saved. He will spend a period of time in the place of expiation, and after this, he will be happy for all eternity. Having taken pleasure during his life in the hope of saving him when he repented, I now rejoice even more, together with my celestial court, at having realized my desire to be his father forever. As for the souls who live in justice and sanctifying grace, I show my happiness by living in them. I give them myself. I transmit to them the use of my power. And through my love, they find a foretaste of heaven in me, their father and savior. Thus ends the first part of the message. <laughs>